Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. How are y'all doing? I'm glad that you guys are here today. You know, um, this, uh, this series that we've been going through in Colossians and the Define series, I've really enjoyed it a lot. I think oftentimes in our lives, we, we have to come back to a lot of the basics, the foundations of what makes our faith. I think sometimes we just need to be reinvigorated. We just, we got to get back to the core of what makes us Christians, what makes our faith important, what makes it what it is our faith. And so I've really been enjoying uh, getting back. Have you been enjoying it, the series in Define? Yeah, I have too. And uh, today, uh, we're going to be working out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And the title of my message is Hidden in the Messiah. And uh, we're just going to be working through a few verses here, and uh, I'm going to explain what those verses mean, and we're going to get into some main topics that Paul is trying to address in the church here. So uh, let's go ahead and open a prayer, and then we'll get into our introduction. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that we are here today as your church. We are your people, and we expect your Spirit to be here in our midst speaking to us. And I pray that that's what would happen as we get in your Word, your Spirit would speak to us. Lord, that we would listen, we would respond, and it would change us. We'd become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much. We have the freedom to be here today, and not in fear, but in hope that Jesus is our healer and our Savior. So we just thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into the introduction. The Apostle Paul is encouraging the church in Colossae to abandon broken ways of living life in this world, and out of this encouragement comes significant statements from Paul that must cause us to stop and ponder the state of our relationship with Jesus, where our focus is in this life, and what God's long-term goals are. The church Paul is addressing is facing similar issues that many churches face today, a forgetfulness of what it means to die to self, a lack of focus in identity in Jesus, and a lack of focus on living for God's kingdom. This results in an ineffective church that isn't led by the Spirit, but by personal desire. Paul desperately reminds the church that they died to the old ways of life and something much more wonderful and glorious awaits those who are hidden in the Messiah, Jesus. When we as individuals and as a church live with complete identity in Jesus, we fulfill our greatest destiny in life. In order to truly experience life, one must die, rise in new life to Christ, focus on God and his purposes here on earth and our future with him in heaven. Today we are going to discuss Paul's direction to focus on the things of God and what it means to be hidden in the Messiah. So we're working out of Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. And it says here, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's a lot really pulled into this whole, this whole statement he just made here. We're going to unpack everything. We're going to go verse by verse real quick, and then we're going to get into what he's talking about. First, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So what he's saying here is you've been raised with Christ. So he's talking about you've died to the old ways of your life. You've now been raised with Christ. This is symbolic with baptism. You've been dunked into the water. You've died to the old self, and you've been raised to life in Christ. Does that make sense? So this is symbolic for what Jesus did. So you've been raised to this new life with Christ. So just as Jesus died, 
and he rose from the dead, so we also have died, and we've been raised to new life. Does that make sense? All right. And he says, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. So after Jesus ascended, that's where our focus needs to be at now, where Jesus is at. The things of God, the things of heaven, what Jesus taught us, that's where our minds and our hearts need to be focused on. Then in verse 2, he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It's interesting that he says, your things above, the things of heaven. What Paul isn't doing, he's not talking about an escapism. He's not talking about like what the Gnostics would talk about. And this is what Pastor Sal has addressed in multiple sermons. He's not saying the earthly things are evil. He's not saying that matter is evil. He's not saying relationships are evil. He's not saying that doing things on this earth is evil. What he's saying is that our priorities need to be the priorities of heaven. See, God has priorities that are in heaven that need to be done here on earth. Does that make sense? So it's just, it's basically a paradigm shift in our thinking in our hearts. So he says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you died. He's saying you have spiritually died. You've died to the old ways of life. You have a new life in Christ now. You're hidden in him. Your identity is holy completely in Jesus now. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now he's talking about when Jesus is revealed to the world, we will also be revealed with him in his glory. He's talking about the end times. He's talking about when everything is done, when he's judged everything, we will be revealed with Jesus in him, hidden in him, in the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So now we're going to get into the topics of what Paul is talking about here. The first point is the believer must die to self, must rise up in new life with Jesus. The believer must die just as Jesus died. The old way of life must pass away in order for the new to take place. A paradigm shift must take place in the heart and mind of someone who has died with Jesus. Because now they live for God's kingdom. They serve a new master. They put the old habits behind, pick up new ones that reflect the character and identity of Jesus. Uh, There's a great example of this that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 16. And he talks about how you need to pick up your cross, follow after me. You know, the disciples are asking, how, what do we need to do to follow you? And he says, you need to pick up your cross, follow after me. Really what he's doing is giving a twofold prophetic word here. One, he's talking about his own future death. Disciples really have no clue what's coming. They have no idea that their Messiah is going to be crucified. You see, in, in the, the eyes of the Jews, they're thinking he's going to deliver us from Rome. He's going to be our conqueror. He's going to reestablish Israel as the light and the beacon of the world. They have no idea that Jesus is going to be crucified, even though he tells them over and over. So he gives them a prophetic word of what is to come for him, but he's also giving them a prophetic word, what do you need to do to be a follower of me? What do you need to do to be a disciple? And so he says, you need to pick up your cross. So just as Jesus carried his cross on the way to the skull to be crucified, so we daily pick up our cross and say, I die to self. I die to my way of life, and my life is now in Jesus Christ. So it's a really brutal picture. I don't know if you can imagine what that would feel like carrying a cross on your shoulder. It's not fun. It's not, it's not grand. It's, it's a brutal picture, but it's something Jesus wanted the disciples to get. If you truly want to follow me, this is what you have to do. One of the things I love about our church, you know, we give altar calls and we give you an opportunity to raise your hand and say, I want Jesus in my life. But if you know Pastor Sal, afterwards you need to come up and you need to talk with him because you've just joined the the kingdom of god you've just been saved this is like the running start in in salvation and like when the gun goes off and you you burst off that's the beginning point the discipleship process is daily right 
And so we can't get into this, this mindset of like, okay, well, I said the sinner's prayer and I'm good to go. I have discipleship. It's this process of taking that cross daily and walking just like Jesus did. You know, this dying to self, uh, for me, really happened in a point in my life when I was about 14, 15. And I, I got baptized about that age. And I wanted to wait until I was about that age because I knew that I wanted to wait until I was completely, fully committed to serving Jesus. That I, not that I, I, I guess maybe I was a little hesitant, but I just knew that when I'd be baptized, I want the world to know I'm following him. Everything is for Jesus. So about 14, 15, I get baptized. I, I will admit I was expecting to be like, you know, in the, the Jordan River and doves to come out of the sky and for this, you know, amazing, you know, prophetic words to be given and how I'd be the next Billy Graham and just, you know, like, that, that you know, I, I'm, I'm joking, but, you know, I just had this grand idea of what it would look like. And, you know, it, it was really cold. It was wintertime. And so, <laughs> so we were in a pool in somebody's backyard. So it wasn't as grand as the Jordan River. But in that moment when I was baptized, Something happened when I came out of the water and I said, yes, this is now the time where I say completely, I am yours, Jesus. I'm your disciple. Do with me what you will. And so after that, I just got passionate. I just, everything began changing in my life at around that age of 14, 15. And everything had to be about God's kingdom. I, I didn't know how to do it exactly. So I just went and told people about Jesus. Any person I could find, I'd want to pray for them. Give somebody food if they were hungry. Uh, tell people on the street about Jesus. Whatever I could do, I was going to do it. I remember one time when my friend and I went to Ocean Shores on a little vacation trip. And we're, I'm just like, dude, let's just walk up and down the street. Just tell everybody about Jesus and pray for him. He's like, all right. So we just start doing it. So we just walking up and down the street. And some people are like, you know, stay away from me. Right? Coronavirus, you know. But, uh, and, but a lot of people wanted prayer. A lot of people wanted to hear about Jesus. And that was the only way I could express myself in the moment because I just had to do something, right? I'm a disciple now. I have to work for the kingdom now. I've got to get the word out. I was passionate about it. And that kind of leads us into our next point here in that we have to have a high focus on the kingdom of heaven. See, Paul wants the church to put all their focus on the things of heaven and not earth. This doesn't mean daydreaming about the afterlife and disengaging from this life. You understand? There's a difference. Like, we have a focus on the life to come, our focus on the things of God, but we don't disengage from the culture. We don't disengage from people because that's not the mission that Jesus gave us. In fact, it's the opposite. Through the cross and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has been inaugurated here on earth. The reign of Jesus has come, and the heaven is now coming together with earth. Do you hear that? The reign of Jesus started when he came to earth. It came, and it's going to be fulfilled one day when he returns. So we are stewards of the kingdom that he has now established here on earth. I'm going to prove to you that the kingdom is here and now, and it is also coming in its fulfillment. So Jesus, you know, the disciples asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? We don't, we don't know how to pray. And Jesus, he gave them this really basic prayer, but in this basic prayer comes this fundamental theological statement of what he expects from his disciples and how they ought to live their lives. So he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And verse 10 really is the focus here. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So what is Jesus doing here? He is trying to establish with his disciples that God reigns in heaven. There is an authority, there's a rule, there's a kingship that is perfect in heaven. Jesus is now bringing that reign down into earth. We as disciples now need to expand that reign of Jesus, that kingdom here on earth. Does that make sense? I think a lot of times we, we hear the, the phrases, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. What does that even mean? It, it seems vague, but it's really not vague at all. The kingdom of God is heaven. It's his rule. It's his authority in heaven. So when Jesus came down, he says, now I'm establishing my kingdom here and now. One day it will be completely fulfilled, but our role as disciples is to bring that about. So as disciples, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to bring about this kingdom? Well, Jesus gave us the perfect example. Let's, let's just think about what is heaven like? There's no sickness in heaven, right? In God's perfect kingdom in heaven, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no brokenness. So what did Jesus do? He came down and said, this is my Father's kingdom I'm establishing here. I'm going to pray for people and they're going to be healed. What did he want his disciples to do? To pray for people so they would be healed, right? What did, there's, there's complete provision in heaven. We're not going to lack in anything. So what did Jesus do? He broke the bread and the fish and fed people. So what is our mission then? To provide, to help, to, to come together as the body of Christ, to support each other and to support our community. That's establishing the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus gives these examples. There's, there's no oppression from the enemy in heaven, right? So what did Jesus do? He delivered people from oppression, from demons. So what did he, what did he tell his disciples to do? Deliver people from demons and oppression, addiction. Get that out of their lives because that's the perfect will of God's kingdom in heaven. So that's how we establish God's kingdom of heaven. He gave us the perfect example to do, and then he gave us, what did he give us to accomplish it? The Holy Spirit. Now we have God within us, the ability now to do exactly what Jesus did, to spread that kingdom all about. Why do you think Jesus said it was better for him to go and for the Spirit to come? Because he was one, and now we have many with God dwelling within us to do the work that Jesus started. Are you, are you catching that? You have a role and a responsibility as a steward in this kingdom. So, you know, for a number of years when I first started at Tacoma Screw Products here in town, uh, I just prayed and prayed for a number of years. I just wanted another believer to come along. No one in my work was, was a Christian. And I, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life, you know, I don't know if you feel this, but you're just like, you're like, God, I feel so alone. You know, you just, you feel like there's nobody that, that can jive with you, that has the same beliefs as you, and you just feel like you're this tiny little candle in the midst of a lot of darkness, and that's how I felt. And I love the people at my work, but when you're the only believer, sometimes you just feel like that. And so I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and finally God answered my call, and he brought Corey. Corey, I wish, oh, I wish Corey was here. And, and Corey came to my work, and I was super excited about it because I'm like, yes, I got a believer here. And Corey just, he fit into our workplace so well. And I, I cannot even tell you, it's like, it's like God just designed our workplace for him. And somehow he has this perfect way of just showing people the kingdom of God all day long. Whether it be in conversations about life or work, somehow he's always able to bring scripture into it or how God has done something in his life. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, like, you're making me look bad, man. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, he... He's an evangelist. He just knows how to incorporate everything of the kingdom of God in his life. And so I'm taking lessons from him, and I'm like, oh, man, that's great. Like, I need to figure out how to do that, too. But what I've seen is, is how 
we as Christians can't segregate faith from work or from our home or from church or from our communities or whatever we're doing in our lives. Our faith has to permeate everything that we're doing, and he's given us the spirit to be able to how to do that. Does that make sense? All right. So now, our third point, we get into sharing in the glory of Jesus. Paul points out that we are hidden in Christ. And this twofold image declares that our identity is holy and completely in Jesus. He covers us with his love and mercy, and we are no longer to identify as ourselves, but to identify as in him. Second, we are revealed to the world as Jesus. As we work towards expanding the kingdom of God, all people we love and minister to shouldn't see us, but they should see Jesus. We are so fully enveloped in who God is and his character We decrease to nothing just as Jesus decreased to nothing on the cross in order to save us. We act like Jesus and represent the Father in all his mercy and his kindness, just as Jesus did when he hung on the cross and prayed for the forgiveness of his murderers. So also we find ourselves hidden in Christ and act in love as he did. We've died and we no longer live, but Christ in us and us hidden in him. There's this, this, this sense of identity that we need to get that we are completely covered in Christ. When the world sees us, they no longer see us, but they see Jesus. Wouldn't you agree right now that with everything going on with the coronavirus and, and everything, that the world needs to see Jesus more than ever? Like, I, I, I was on the phone with my dad yesterday, and I, he works in the same company I do. He works at our corporate in Tacoma. And I just asked him, I was like, what's, what's the attitude of how things are going over there? And he's like, people are panicking. I mean, people are nervous and scared. And, you know, people are lining up outside of HR just wanting to know what's going to happen with, you know, the economy. And, and what, you know, if, what if I have to stay home? I'm going to get paid. And there's fear and panic. And, and my dad is just kind of like, you know. I'm fine. I got this. You know, like, and, and I love my dad's confidence, but I saw that that's the confidence of Jesus in him. It's not that he, he's just, you know, he's taking precautions too. It's not that he doesn't care, but it's that his confidence is in Jesus now, his, his healer, his savior. And he knows that we cannot have fear in our lives. And so I thought we have to be so enveloped in Christ right now, so covered in him, the world doesn't see us anymore. When we interact with people, they need to see Jesus. They need to see his love and his mercy. Just like when Jesus was, you know, talking with people and praying for people and loving people, that's what the world needs to see in us right now. They don't need to see us belittle them for having fears, but they also don't need to see us engage in that fear as well. Does that make sense? Uh, You know, Angela posted something on Facebook yesterday, and I I loved it, what she said. I asked her permission. I did. I asked people permission most of the time. It's during times like this that our love for others should really shine the brightest. Please take time today to love someone. Call them. Be extra nice at the store, and if there's only one item left on the shelf, put others before yourself. God has got you, and you should have no fear. Yeah, that's exactly right. That is how we as believers have to act. So then when people who are panicking or people who are angry about all the toilet paper being bought up, we don't have anger. We don't have fear. We can come alongside them and say, hey, you know what? I want to share with you. you know, maybe, here, here's two squares of toilet paper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we don't have that panic. We don't have that anger. And we represent Christ to the world. Regardless if things get better or they get worse, we are steadfast because we are now 
fully enveloped in the identity of Christ. And Christ was never, fear, never fearful. You know, Christ didn't want to go on the Christ. He knew, he, he knew what was coming, right? He knew the pain that was coming. But he knew that he had to do it. And that same courage, that same strength, we need to clothe ourselves in. And that's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. This is, I, I just thought about this now. But after the service... If you, are, if you are feeling fear, if you, if you feel like, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't have what we're talking about here. I want you to come up, talk to Pastor Sal or I or any of the leaders, and, and we'll pray for you. The Holy Spirit is abundant. The Holy Spirit will be given to you if you ask of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? So I just want to be, open that up real quick. All right, so as Paul describes our sharing in the glory of Jesus, he is specifically speaking about the magnificent state of post-resurrection in our new glorified bodies that are incorruptible and shared in Jesus' eternal power and glory. When he talks about how we're going to share in his glory, it's going to be forever. This is the picture we need to keep in mind. You know, eventually we'll all pass away. Eventually all economies pass away. Eventually everything's going to pass away. Our hope is in the future of sharing that identity in Jesus, in his power and his glory, and in salvation in him. That's what we have to keep in our minds forever. That's why we don't have to be fearful. That's why we don't have to be angry. We can prepare. We can do what we need to do. But we don't have to pick up those habits of the enemy because we know that forever we will reign with Christ. Is that, you, you believe that, right? Amen. All right. I'm going to close here with just a few points. First, that we need to die to self. We need to die to what we want. We've got to die to our lives. We've got to bury it all and find new life in the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't know what it's like to die to self, then you need to, you need to just come to Jesus and start saying, Jesus, it's no longer about me. It's all about you. This is the role of a disciple of saying, it's not about me, it's about you, it's about your kingdom. It's hard to die to self. You know, with, with the, the flesh that we're always fighting, it is hard to die. But this is the journey of a disciple. This journey doesn't happen overnight. It's a process, a lifelong process. But we have to be active in saying, I die to me. And now, and when I die, I now rise up in a new life in Jesus, and I have that identity in Jesus forever. We've got to get focused on God's kingdom here on earth. If you aren't serving God, you need to find out how. Serve Him in your home, serve Him at work, serve Him at church, serve Him wherever you go. But you need to figure out how to serve Him wherever you are at. Our workplaces need believers. Our homes need believers. Our community needs believers. People are going to stand up for Christ. And they're going to say, this is all about Jesus' kingdom, not about my kingdom. It's hard to get focused on the kingdom of God. Let's just be honest. Us Americans are very independent. Right? We were born and bred, and, and independence runs through our blood. Our forefathers fought and died for independence. And I'm proud of that heritage, and yet at the same time, it's hard for us to view a kingship over us. Because when Jesus talks about all this, he is talking about a kingdom authority. The kingdom authority in heaven that is now here on earth is something we have to submit to. This kingdom authority is a kingship. When you have a king and authority over you, you don't have the right to say, I'm not going to die to self. I, I am going to live for myself. I, I, I don't want to choose the, the things that are of your kingdom. As a subject of that kingdom, you don't have that right. And I think this is something that as Americans, 
we can still hold on to our independence. We can still, we can still you know, be uh, the, those, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a redneck at heart. But, you know, we can, we can hold on to that. But at the same time, recognize we have a king in heaven that we serve. And that kingdom is now here on earth. We must be faithful stewards of that kingdom. In the, uh, there's a parable that Jesus shares where he, he, the, the master leaves three servants and he gives each different amount of talents. And he leaves on a journey. He expects them to invest these talents. And the one servant goes and he invests it and it multiplies. And then the second one does the same thing and it multiplies. And the third one digs a hole in the ground and puts it in the ground. Maybe out of fear you know, of his master or just not wanting to lose it, whatever it might be. Master comes back. He's pleased for the first two. And the third one, he's like, why didn't you invest what I gave you? He's like, well, I knew, you know, I was afraid of you. I, I, I didn't want to lose it. Whatever. He could come up with a thousand excuses. This whole, this whole metaphor, this, this story is about us. It's about the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. You all have been given talents, resources that God expects you to invest for his kingdom. When he comes back, when we share in his glory... There will be an expectation. There will be a judgment where we stand before him and give an account of how we multiplied the resources he gave us. I, I love when Brent was talking about the woman who gave the, the, you know, the, the two coins and it was all she had. And you might be thinking, Lord, I feel like I have nothing to offer. Well, that's fine. Give whatever it is that you have, right, to God's kingdom. He'll multiply it. He'll be pleased with you. God doesn't care about how much you have. God doesn't care where you're at. He cares about your heart and what you are giving. You may think, I've got nothing. Well, we'll give that then, all right? God expects something, even if it's nothing. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but that's what God expects from us. He's put you in places strategically to advance his kingdom. You may think, God, God, why am I here? Why do I not have what this person has? And God would say to you, just be faithful with what I've given you. And when you stand before me, you're going to share in the glory that is revealed to the world. So don't lose focus on the future promises of sharing in this glory. Don't lose sight of it. Don't become disengaged from this world. We're not supposed to be disengaged. We need to jump right in and say, here is Jesus. I'm covered in him. And, and give that to the world. Share that with the world. But don't lose sight of that future that we're going to spend eternity with him. You agree with that? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's close in prayer. And we got an awesome song here. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are stewards of your kingdom. We are disciples of Jesus. I pray that every single one of us here, Lord, we would just be encouraged to step out in faith. We would not give in to fear, to be faithful in the things you have given us. We'd be faithful to pursue the calling you placed on our lives. More that we would just set our eyes on the future of sharing in the glory of Jesus. Praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.